This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England. Okay, Marcus, can you, uh, are you still with us? Yeah, fine. Fantastic. Uh, we're going to do a few, uh, uh, a bit of Q&A if you're, if you're up for that. So, uh, Mel, uh, questions for Mel and Marcus. Those people who had questions for Mel didn't get to ask them before. People who've now got questions for Marcus. Lady over there. Hi, Marcus. Thank you very much uh, for all your research. Um, I'm really interested in the uh, part of your work that is really giving the audiences the right to choose which angle they can watch the performance from. How are you, deva- uh, maybe I shouldn't ask how you're developing that, um, that technique, but um, are you, oh, number one, how are you filming the, the performance? Is it flat on? Um, number two, how can the audience interact with the performance or watch the performance? Um, number three, when do they get the product of the timeline? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, if you wouldn't mind repeating the question, Michael, because okay. it's really, I, yeah. So the question is around your, your, um, your multiple viewpoint work that you're doing, and the questions were, um, how are you filming it? Uh, second one is, how are the audience, when are the audience getting it? And how can they choose which, and which angle? Inter- yeah, and how do they interact with it? Okay, well, um, again, we are meeting, we're meeting with Kinura this Friday to discuss those very things, because, again, the project in its infancy, it will actually happen on the weekend of the 11th and 12th of August this year as part of the York Mysteries, and it's the York Mysteries that are happening, which is a, a community project with a, th- a thousand members, a thousand member cast on stage, a community play of which you'll be able to see. Again, the, the code and all the kind of bits and pieces that will be written will go into the back end when you're able to download it, which will be after the event. So therefore, there will be, you'll be able to be after the event. Of course, the players, when they're live, uh, you can, there are chat rooms, you know, you can follow it on Twitter feed and all that sort of stuff. So there is a possibility you'll be able to do that. At the moment, we don't know whether some of the remote cameras are possibly, um, possibly able to be also um, crowdsourced or moved or, or, or viewpoints changed during the process. But again, this is part of the process we'll find out when we do the discovery. Yeah, um- my last question is that we have been doing this research ourselves and we can communicate with you on our developments. Is that possible to have a conversation with you? Of course it is. Brilliant. Can we have your emails at the end of the session? Perfect. Perfect. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Other questions? Can I remind you to say who you are and where you're from? Gentleman in the green shirt in the middle there. Hi there. Oh. Hi, uh, I'm Sam Sedgman, and I work at the Bureau of Silly Ideas, but I actually used to work on National Theatre Live. I just had a question for both of you, actually, about a similar thing that we just talked about. Um, NT Live do make those directorial decisions about what you look at, and you're opening it up to give more choice to the viewer or the user. I just wondered if you think in all digital platforms, if there's too much choice sometimes for users. Marcus, did you get that? I'm really sorry, because okay. it's, it's, I can't hear the, the mic in the room. Really okay. sorry. So the, the, question, the question was, um, do we sometimes give too much choice to the viewers uh, uh, rather than, rather than, too, li- than too little? 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to have as much choice as possible. I'm, I'm, I, have a, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I like to be able to see things. Again, this is part of an inquiry and part of a discovery around what this stuff can do. At the moment, we are sort of a cave painting stage, really, into, into where, this, where this is going to go. So at the moment, let's just enjoy the ride. There's no right or wrong of it. We're, we're, we're working this stuff out together. So the more people we can get in the room and go, what about that as an idea? That's that's all the better for us because that's how we that's how we move forward. I no one no one or if anyone pretends they have all the answers, they're, they're, it's it's they're not kidding. You know they're kidding you. It's nonsense. So let's get together and share some share some knowledge and share some share some ideas. Great, Mel thoughts? Um, yeah, I think I'd like to comment on that by saying I think there's an opportunity for curation across. <laughs> Um, all of that. So um, there's opportunities, just like when you have a newspaper, you you know you, it's curated into a particular form. So you trust, you know, you trust reading the Guardian. You know what you're going to get. I think there's opportunities for that. Um, I think I think it's great. Exactly what Marcus said. I think it's great at the moment that people are experimenting. I, I don't know if you've heard that the you know if you took a hundred people, sort of about ninety people would probably, and it, maybe this is changing, but ninety people would probably enjoy quite a sort of a laid back experience. Um, nine 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 people or nine percent will actually be you know really wanting to engage further with your content, and one percent will be just completely and utterly mad about everything you do and just completely obsessed. When you look at things like Doctor Who, maybe that that one percent is actually slightly bigger, um, because they, you know, or Trekkie, for example, the Star Trek. But I think it's really important to have the choice to have the choice, if that makes sense. So if you want to just enjoy and lay and sit back and watch something or do something, that's fine. But then actually have the choice to engage further if you want to. Just as just as an aside to that, um, I know that Manchester City Football Club. This is one of the things that they've done on their site is that they've uh, increased the amount of video that, um, that they show to include, include in the tunnel video and lots of different points of view. And they've had enormous success and enormous degrees of fan engagement with stuff that you wouldn't normally see. So, so it might be worth, if people you know, people are interested in, in, that kind of, in that kind of backstage experience, albeit for football, worth having a look at the Manchester City site. Um, we had another question. Uh, yes, gentleman in the plaid shirt there. That'll be you. Um, it's for both of you, actually. I'm Tom Jordan, um, Digital Coordinator for Interplay in Leeds. Um, do you see, at the moment, obviously, where we are is that digital augments what's going on as the live and, and sometimes is its own entity. Um, do you foresee it where digital will replace the live experience? Marcus, do you think digital re will replace the live experience? Well, no. I mean, look at the, look at the music industry. I mean, that's why the the eighty twenty model is something I didn't I didn't mention, which is sort of you know it's a bit contentious. You give away eighty percent of your content and you charge for the final twenty percent. I mean, look at look at the music industry and we, people want to go and you know well, you might stream your music live on Spotify and pay a pay a, you know a, a, a relatively small amount of money, but you will pay one hundred and eighty quid to go and see your the bands and the artists live at Latitude or Glastonbury. And so those live events have absolutely blossomed in terms of that stuff, which is why I've said right from the off, live is absolutely key. And but there's different ways of experiencing that as live, and it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It's not about that. What we're saying is this is actually different. You know, the, the kind of live experience that we're having now, we're able to have a form of interaction and we're able to do something. It isn't the same as if we were actually in the room together, but actually if I couldn't be there, this is the this is the this is the other thing. So 
you know, if you can't see your bands live, you can stream it live onto BBC Three and watch them on Glastonbury. It actually still works. And what, what the key thing around that is that, of course, we still want to see live performance. People will still pay to go and see stuff. And that's the unique selling point that we have as a sector that's absolutely key. So no one is advocating that we should get rid of one. I mean, the worst, you know, the thing is, it actually reaches more people and has a more global reach is one of the major benefits of it. And, but it doesn't take away the fact that someone's going to be doing something live somewhere, someplace, sometime in a room that for, for, it, for the stream or the, uh, the live feed to happen. Um, I, I keep saying I agree with Marcus, but I do agree with Marcus on that one as well. Um, but what I would say is I think the integration between digital and offline um, will actually get better. So, um, so I think at the moment, um, with, with, with the Internet of Things as a prime example, um, the offline world, our real world, is kind of slightly disconnected sometimes from the, from the online or digital world. And lots of people are experimenting with ways of actually making that better. And the idea with like the Internet of Things is if you know, your fridge knows it needs milk and will order it for you, so it kind of connects the two. I think in a kind of en entertainment or art space, there is more opportunities to actually sort of have much more integration between them. But I think live, or will, for me, will always win. So. Gentleman there in the, uh, in the, in the blue jacket. Uh... Hi, uh, my name is Michael Kenyon. I work for Vocalize. Uh, I was uh, wondering if there are any plans uh, for the next live stream to provide access for people with sensory impairments either through audio description or through uh, captioning slash subtitling. Marcus, so the question, did you get the question? Yes, and in fact, you know, there's many organizations that are doing that, and we're having discussions with Kinura um, around actually how we do that live. And, and of course, the, the, all of the stuff that gets archived gets, or, um, or, we're looking at audio description for our space project and also, and also captioning. And, you know, so the answer is yes, but it's a bit like the interesting thing around the sort of the TED community and the fact that lots of the TED talks get translated into, into hundreds of languages all around the world. But what we have to do is expect sometimes that we also ask, we're asking for some help for some of that. So it isn't just a case of one organization has to try and do the legwork. How do we share this stuff out that enables that access and that wider reach to be, to be obtained? There's more than one way of doing it. Absolutely, in terms of the audio um, uh, captioning and audio description afterwards. I was talking to the audio describer only on Tuesday evening around, around the event for us that we're doing for the space. Um, so absolutely, yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Marcus, Marcus, we're going to call you back. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, while uh, while we try and reset the call, does anybody have any questions for Mel, particularly? Hen, did you have something you want to ask Mel? Yeah, I'm It's fine. Oh, Marcus is back, but anyway, we'll get you. Okay, so do you want to just wait for the microphone? Hi, I'm Hen, um, and I co-founded We Did This. Um, I hadn't fully formed my question before I went to ask it. Um, so, <laughs> it's really when you were talking about business models, and I was really interested in what you were saying around looking at business models actually outside the art sector and applying that 
And I think what struck a chord with me was this whole idea around language and the arts developing a language that can exist outside the arts sector. And I was just kind of interested in your experience of looking at alternative business models and how that language can be developed and what you think the key things perhaps in the arts business models that aren't at the moment always being kind of used or what are the sort of key things that are being left out that makes okay. makes sense um yeah it does I'll, I'll, I'll answer it in a couple of ways um there's i don't know if, it, if you've heard of it for me one of is really important to keep up to date with what new models are out there and what people are doing in the creative sector and one of the ways i do that is using um going on springwise i don't know if you've heard of that which is has an amazing array of things all around the world that different creative companies are doing and just has like the cutting edge it's like trend spotting for business models and for geeks like me who you know i I'll, that that just gets me very excited um, so i say that's that's a good way of actually looking at what everyone else is doing in terms of i mean i'm not in the art sector at the moment so i only can sort of you know look at it from sort of my point of view um, when i was working in much more arts-based roles what I did find was um, there was a tendency to rely a lot on, 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 on public funding. Um, and, and obviously, that's actually, the climate has changed quite a lot. And one of the things I found was in one year, I literally lost all of my customers. Um, I, all the stuff, without even thinking about it, was actually you know, public funding via the LDA or other organizations. And actually, it just made me realize how vulnerable I was as an organization. So one of the things I've been doing now is to actually um, come up with alternative revenue streams so I'm safer as an organisation um, and also think of new ways, you know, maybe it's a mix of public and, and private money, maybe there's some um, money that I can actually, things that I can do myself, which, which I can actually get, you know, sort of different money so that I'm not just reliant and I, I don't know whether this is true but I think... If, that's <laughs> extra um, hip-hop background. Um, but, I, but I think that one of the things is, is actually to look and see how safe you are as an organisation. Are you reliant on one organisation that could literally just pull the plug on you straight away? Um, I don't know. That's, that's, yeah, my belief. Sorry, I just, I just want to expand that, um, that, that question slightly. Um, uh, include, include you on it, Marcus, as well. Um, uh, you, you, you talked about developing new, um, uh, you know, new, your, your starfish arms, but you know, what's, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you develop new, new sources of revenue ahead of revenue? How, do you, how can you invest? You know, do, are you finding you're having to invest to find these new sources of revenue? And if you are, how are you doing it? Well, it's, again, if the, the ideas come first, and then we, we, we certainly don't chase the... We, you know, there, is, there is money to be found, but what you have to do is make sure you have the right currency or the right or the right ideas or the right team behind that to be able to apply for that or to be able to go for that or to be able to partner up for it. And really it comes from your mission in terms of what you want to do. It comes what your what your passion is and what your purpose is. And and it's following those through in terms in terms of our our um, you know our, our mission and our as an organization of creating new work and new models for new audiences and that's really what we're doing so it's again if we have the right the right project and if that right project fits down one of those arms then we will look for the partners or the or the funding to help us to support that um i mean i think that you know the, the idea of we we know our business because our business is about putting 
things and telling stories and putting stories in front of other people. So that's what we do. We're just finding some new ways and new methods of doing that and helping to deliver them. Um, it goes right back to really pragmatic choices in the early days of us putting CD-ROMs on the front of programs so it saved us having to print out resource packs for teachers that were that thick which we couldn't afford to send through the post. So they were downloadable, then they were downloadable from the net. So it's always seeing what technologies are out there and how does it help you to deliver your core business. And so therefore you have to keep re-examining what it is that you do and how in the shifting environment that happens and the shifting sands is how do we adapt and how can some of those be for the benefit of our core business. And our core business is telling stories and delivering those for audiences live. Um, we're just finding different ways of doing it. I would say that um, I, I don't personally do anything for, just for money, because if I did, I'd, I'd be working in a different industry and in, in a diff completely different job. I, I agree with Marcus. I think you know you have to be very passionate about what you do, and you have to believe in what you do, and have a purpose as a company, even if you're a single-person com company or you're a very large company. I think that what I've sort of noticed, sort of trends I've noticed across the industries, um, one is is a companies that are consultancy companies, um, whether they're a, an agency creating content for a client, and they're trying to come up with new ways of actually creating IP and actually trying to figure out ways that they can actually then take that IP and become more sustainable just in case um, something happens with the economic climate and customers are not going to spend so much. So I've noticed that. I've also noticed people who have IP and who already got to that stage trying to figure out, well, you know, how can I repurpose this or how can I try and build like a sort of a continuous revenue stream. So I, I make something and don't just get paid for it once, but I can make something and then get paid over and over again for it. So I've sort of noticed that, that that's something people are playing around with, but there's, there are some models that exist with that. Um, but I think that a lot of companies are trying to come up with new ways of doing that. Back to that, there's, there's, certain, there's certain models that are happening, for example, during some live stream sites, that there are also some micro donation, micro giving, um, donation buttons along the side, so we can. There's, there's another opportunity there in terms of some of the, um, you know, the micro donations and the uh, crowdfunded, and all of the sort of other organisations that are springing up like Sponsumi and, and Kickstarter are able to put some donate now buttons. So it depends on what, what it is you're doing and what you're selling and what you're promoting or what your what your messages are, because those may be appropriate for your content at that particular time. I'm going to take one more question, then we'll break for coffee. So, sir. Hello, I wanted to um, ask Marcus, I wanted to pick up on the point around the digital experience being, uh, being different to live, but actually equally as unique. But actually to ask about, for example, in NT Live, you sit in a darkened cinema, in a theatre, you sit in a dark theatre. When I watch pilot stuff on screen in my computer, um, I'm in a room which is lit and there's lots of there's thousands of distractions around me and I'm doing all sorts of other different things. I wanted to ask Marcus how that, whether in terms of the streaming that the company had done, what, what kind of feedback he'd had from audiences, what kind of, what the audience behavior was in a, in a context where actually there's lots of things competing for your attention. How much did you get, Marcus? I'm just sorry, just because it keeps breaking up with the reverberation in the room. I'm really sorry. Just to is what, what the core of the question was: what kind of feedback feedback do we get on the stream? But I just missed the bit before that because it was. I know it's different from NT Live. Is that? Yeah. So 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 um, so well, it's different from a theatre a theatrical experience. You're, you're experiencing it in a different 
kind of uh, in a different kind of place with different in a you know, different environment with with lots more stuff going on around you. And so it's it, placed in the context of those two different experiences. What's the feedback of the street to the streaming been like? Well, people have been you know very you know sort of rightly feeding back on you know technical technical things that do and don't work and you know there's kind of there's kind of a technical technical support feedback which is really interesting one thing we have to think about don't think about the tyranny of the screen but think about the fact that this is we're watching this now on a screen and our brains tune into cinemas and go well doesn't it look a lot better when we see it in a cinema and of course it does but if this was then projected onto the outside of a building or into another space or to another place where you can share it with other people there's a whole different area of how you can share that experience it doesn't have to be a solitary a solitary thing in front of a laptop it can be but it's also how you choose to do that it's digital content that's coming to you how do you want to use it at that end and how do you then want to share it with the people you might want to share and discuss it with do you project it into your video hall on the side of your pub and let's, let's just be let's remember that sport's been doing this for decades in terms of watching football in a pub with with shared strangers who are actually sharing a sharing a live event and we all know that moment you look across the room and you make eye contact and you smile at a certain shared moment so those sort of things we know we actually want to share them with other people and that's one of the things that we have and what we're just saying is we're sort of playing a little bit of catch-up and we've got to take it out of some of the places that we normally used to seeing the stuff in and putting it into other places and that's where the new challenges and the new opportunities and the new fun lies Okay, Marcus. Thank you very much, Mel. Thank you. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna say let's, ladies and gentlemen, let's break for coffee and uh, reassemble in about 20 minutes. Thank you very much indeed. This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com/artscouncilengland. forward